0: Well, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2, and if you're uh, following along on an iPhone, you can actually launch the Bible app, and you can find the event here called Calvary Church. You can click that event, and all the sermon notes will be right there for you on your phone. You can uh, take notes on your phone and keep it that way. Um, You can also uh, connect through our website, calvary.online, click today's message, and all the notes will come right up. Uh, there as well. So uh, today I want to speak to you a message called On My Way. On My Way. Uh, Has anybody ever forgotten that you had a certain responsibility? Maybe you had to pick somebody up or meet them at a certain time. And they text you, this text, where are you? And then suddenly you look down at your phone and you're like, (gasps) and you take three steps and immediately you text on my way. (laughs) Now, certainly you are not where you were when you got the text. And in truth, yes, you are three steps closer to whatever destination you were supposed to be at. And you are certainly on your way. But, uh, most of us don't realize that, that God is sending out a message to the church, sending out a message to all of humanity. He's been sending it out since the beginning of time. Where are you? Do you remember the first time God said that? He said it to Adam, right after he had fallen in sin. Why did God have to ask Adam where he was? Did, did Suddenly, had God lost all knowledge of where Adam was? No. Adam needed to realize that he wasn't where he was supposed to be. And I think all of us need to understand that we're on a journey. We're going somewhere. And some of us are a little better to getting to, to where we belong than others. Mostly, that's women. Because men will never stop and ask for directions. If we're on our way, we're going to get there. I heard a story about a guy from Kentucky. And uh, this, this guy, his specialty was playing bagpipes and, and, and he, would, he would get asked to play bagpipes at all kinds of events. Well, this local funeral director had heard about uh, this man who played the bagpipes and, and there was an unfortunate situation. A homeless man with no family and no friends had passed away and this funeral director found this simple pauper's grave, this, this kind of obscure uh, uh, place to, 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 to uh, give his burial and he gives him the, the, the address, and he says, uh, can you please come and play? He doesn't have any friends, doesn't have any family, but could you just please come and play? He says, okay, yes, as a, as a favor to you, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Well, he starts making his way through those Kentucky hills and he's looking here and there and he, he thinks that he's, he's in the right place, but yet, he, no, no, that's not it. And he keeps looking, keeps looking, keeps driving, won't stop, won't ask. And he shows up an hour late. And when he finally thinks, he pulls in, he, he sees these men taking a lunch break. They were diggers in the, the crew. And he pulls in. Uh, that day and he is just overcome with sorrow that he was that late and he gets out he grabs his bagpipes, and he and he walks over and he looks and sure enough they've actually already put the vault lid on so he just decided there was no funeral director there was there was no hearse there nothing but he says no i'm I, i came here to play i'm just gonna play so he begins to play amazing grace and he begins to play, and he's playing, and suddenly the workers and diggers they come, they come over, and they're listening uh, to Amazing Grace being played. And and this this man who's playing the bag, bagpipes, he begins to cry, and the workers begin to cry, and they begin to have this this just amazing moment remembering the grace of God. And he plays the song, and these men are all in tears. So. He just scurried away quickly with his bagpipes going to put them away. And on his way to the car, one of the workers spoke up. And he says, sweet mother of Jesus, I have never experienced anything like this ever. And I've been putting in septic systems for 20 years. Some of y'all be driving down the road this week, you're going to be by yourself in the car and you're going to start laughing, thinking about that guy playing bag t- bagpipes. People driving beside you are going to start to laugh at you laughing by yourself in the car, not knowing why you're laughing. Makes me laugh thinking about it. But when you're on your way to a destination, you know, it, it's, it's really good to arrive there at the right time and the right place. How many of you know we're on a journey in our relationship with God? And we need to arrive in the right place at the right time. And God has a purpose for us. And there's a time in Scripture, uh, you know, right after uh, uh, Christ's uh, Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, there's a story of a journey. It's actually when Christ was 12 years old. And I want us to look at this story today because I think we're going to learn something about our journey. As we are living our life on our way, on our way into God's destiny, on our way into God's purpose, on our way as a church into God's God's design for us to impact this place for God's glory. Luke chapter 2 verses 40 through 52, these, these are the words and it says, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. And his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem And Joseph and his mother did not know it, but supposing uh, him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Today we're going to take a close look at verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. This one verse covers 18 years of the life of Jesus. When you continue to read, suddenly he is no longer 12, he is 30 and about to take a step into public ministry. And I want to say this to you, that you and I, as we are on our way, we have some things to learn from Jesus of what he did in his unseen life that prepared him to be used in a public and profound way. It's found in one verse, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And if you and I want to reach our destiny and we are living in this season of preparation where God is making us ready for the destiny that he has on our life, we're going to have to lay hold of these 18 years of profound truth summed up in one verse. We can learn what to do while we're on our way. And it's very simple. But it's something that each one of us need a reminder about. And today, if you'll allow me, I want to put on the teaching hat a little bit. I want to teach you from the Word of God. I want to to undergird you and give you some understanding of God's Word so that you can say, hey, next year at this time, wow, I'm much farther along than I was a year ago. Much further into God's calling. God did so much. In 2022, that's what I want you to do. But we're going to have to learn about these three areas described here. Well, while we're on our way, we need to first, we need to increase in wisdom. And all the saints said, duh. Yes, we all need to increase in wisdom. Now, look at this. It says, and Jesus increased in wisdom. I know most of the time we don't think of God son needing to increase in anything. But the reason why Jesus needed to increase in wisdom is because he didn't pick up his rights as the Son of God. He, as the Son of God, laid down his rights, and he showed and demonstrated to all of us how we are to walk in a relationship with God. And each one of us needs to increase in wisdom. Now today, you might want to write this down. I'm going to give you kind of a practical working definition of wisdom, and then I'm going to talk to you about how wisdom is really. Really expressed, wisdom is the knowledge and practices for godly and upright living. Wisdom is the knowledge and practice for godly and upright living. Now, you might also say that wisdom is how to overcome or address any situation that arises. Well, yes, how to do it in a godly way is Christian biblical wisdom, how to live in a way that pleases God. And it's the practices. Now, we, you have to understand what these practices start with. Because if you don't get off on the right foot, you'll never really begin to increase in wisdom. Well, Proverbs 9 verse 10 tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I want to give you two things. If you're going to be that person who is on their way, who knows God has a plan, and you want to say, I want to increase in wisdom as God is taking me into my destiny, you will be the one that says, I must live in the fear of the Lord, which is this reverential awe. It doesn't just happen on Sundays. It's when you take your first waking breath in the morning and you're thinking oh God you're amazing God I love you the, the fear of the Lord isn't that I'm afraid of God it's that I, I am such in such awe of God that what he has to say it moves my life you see the fear of the Lord when you're living in the fear of the Lord his words they move you they move you in a direction. And the awe of God, the fear of the Lord, when, we, when, it is, when it's absent in our life, many times what we, what we can walk into is a lifestyle of sin. We'll embrace sin at, at a huge level if we lack the fear of the Lord. But when you're in awe of God, oh, it's a motivation from a different place. You're like, oh, God, you are amazing. God, you're to be worshipped. And I love that this verse actually connects another thought to wisdom. It says an understanding and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You see, wisdom would be incomplete without knowing who God is. Now listen, most of us are familiar with what God has done because we're flesh people, right? And flesh, your flesh, craves law. Give me the formula, God. How do I get to heaven? All right, you're saved by grace through faith, not of your works. All right, what do I need to do? I need to repent and believe. All right, repent and believe. Woo, I'm forgiven. I'm going to heaven. Here's what you still lack in that moment, Understanding. Because you are now only familiar with God's way of forgiveness, but you really don't know him. You don't know God. And the mistake that is often made as a church is we're trying to pursue destiny. You can't pursue destiny without knowing the one who fashioned your destiny. You've got to know God. Like this kind of thing. God... Tell me about what's going on in heaven right now and you go and look You're like wait 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 you dwell in an unapproachable light your voice is as the sound of many waters your feet are like burnished brass your countenance is brighter than any sun I don't know how do you think about God because that's But the scripture says, when you know him, suddenly, man, I I have this fear of the Lord. And that's the beginning of wisdom. But now, because of the fear of the Lord and this wisdom, I say, God, I want to know you. And suddenly, your prayer life starts to sound like Moses. God, show me your glory. God, show me your face. I want to know you. You see, your knowledge about God didn't end when you came into his family by grace that's where it began and if I gave you the assignment and said hey for 10 minutes straight 10 minutes straight all I want you to do is tell me about God what's he look like what's he sound like how does he move most people would get about 20 seconds into that 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 assignment and they would panic I don't I I don't know I know the verse. I know, I know how he does some things, but him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, wisdom, if you're going to grow in wisdom and you're going to really walk into your destiny, you're going to live in the fear of the Lord and you're saying, I'm going to give myself to knowing him. Now, there are some things that we will not know in fullness until we see him face to face. How many of you are glad we're all going to have that meeting one day? I don't know. If you're terrified of that meeting, there's something for you at the very end of this service. It's called getting right with God. I'm no longer terrified of that meeting. Why? Because by his grace, I've been saved. I've been washed. I've been made a son. And man, when I breathe my last here, I'm going to breathe in the rarefied air of heaven. And listen, I'm not interested in mansions on a hillside. I don't want to see my furniture. I don't want to see nothing. I want to go to the throne. I want to see his face. Why? Because Wisdom is in awe of God, and real understanding is connected in knowing Him. Your thoughts about God will determine how you live, whether low or high. Well, how can you tell if someone is increasing in wisdom? I mean, there's a practical way. If you're married, just ask your husband or wife. Husbands? The answer is yes. (laughs) Wives, just tell us the truth. How can you tell if you're really growing in biblical wisdom? James 3 actually tells us. It says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done. Notice what God ties to wisdom. The meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy or self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. What are you saying? That I have wisdom. (laughs) This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Can you just look at me for a second? I feel really compelled to tell you there is a wisdom you're supposed to reject, and that wisdom is earthly, there is an earthly wisdom that has nothing to do with biblical heavenly wisdom. And anytime you try to mix earthly wisdom with heavenly, uh, heavenly wisdom, you will end up with mixture in your life. This wisdom is earthly. It only comes from man. Then it's sensual. It's based on the five senses. The wisdom that comes from God is not just based on your five senses. It's based from a reality outside of time where God exists and he gives it to us through his word. It's earthly, sensual, and listen to this. Hear me and hear me well. The wisdom of this world is reinforced by demonic activity. We are seeing it. It's assailing itself against our nation, against our families, against all that has been right, and I am here to tell you it's demonic. All of hell is celebrating an earthly wisdom, but I believe God is raising up a people who say, I'm on my way into his destiny, and I I'm going to get his wisdom in my life. Let's look at this. It says, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. That looks like natural wisdom. But the wisdom that is from above is first, listen to this, pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. I mean, this is, this is what it looks like when a person says, I live in the fear of the Lord and I'm beginning to get to know him and this is how it's going to manifest, in meekness. Meekness is not weakness. It's not. Some of the meekest people are the most powerful people. How do I know this? Jesus was the meekest man ever. The God man, he was, but he was also the most powerful. Meekness is strength under control. And so wisdom shows up with meekness it's willing to yield, it's not thinking of self first. That wisdom is earthly, sensual, and demonic. So we're going to have to increase in wisdom. Let's give this, this second part of the statement some thought. While we are on our way, we need to what increase in stature. This, this word stature means maturity. We need to increase in maturity. You know, it's, it's, it's you know, a common phrase for our young people to say, kind of in jest to their friends, you're so immature, you're so immature as if they have matured. And they have not. What they're really saying is you are not cool. You are not in, you are not with it. Because you can be immature and in and immature and out. So there is th- so much immaturity. I like to give a, 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 just a very practical definition of what maturity is. Uh, maturity is knowing when to act immature. Oh, I know I'm right. I know I'm right. Here's why. Because Jesus said, unless you become as a little child, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. I just helped somebody right there. That wasn't even in my notes. That was good, Jesus. Thank you. It says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. It implies he matured. And this is both natural and spiritual. And we mature naturally as we expose ourselves to things that promote growth over time. Growth over time. Maturity takes time. I've heard so many people make the claim. Well, I tried that Jesus thing. I guess Christianity just isn't for me. Well, how did you try it? I know how you tried it. You tried it in diapers. You did. You tried it in diapers. I'm really familiar with this. I have five kids of my own and now like a little beautiful, beautiful grandbaby. And every one of them learned to walk in diapers. It's just a free butt pad for learning how to walk. What do we do? We grab them by the hands. Little Mackenzie, she started walking early. Seven months old. Crazy town. I think it's because I was chucking her all over the place and she wanted to get away from me. <laughs> I teach her how to walk and she take that first step and boom, fall down. Can you imagine if that baby had said, you know, this walking stuff just isn't for me. I fell. I think if you have several kids, sometimes the kids start to think that everybody just picks them up and picks them up and picks them up. It's not that it, it, it's it's not that that falling is like the desired position, but falling is that that state where you're consistently getting picked up and saying, "No, no, no, come on, come on, come on," and part of your maturing process is connected to the idea that I may stumble and I may fall, but I'm going to get up and keep walking. I'm going to get up and keep walking. Maturing is a process. And some of you are really patient with other people, but you are not very patient with yourself. And you'll never come into your destiny until you extend the same grace to yourself that God extends to you. So how do we increase in maturity? Let me give you a couple of examples. 1 Peter 2, 2 says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. My wife was recruited by Citrus County. They wanted her to be a lactation consultant. Help new mothers breastfeed. That's what that means. She said, no, even though I'm an expert and have fed and nourished five children from my body. By the way, this is an experience that men do not understand. (laughs) And men don't want to understand it. It's another sermon. I'll make a note and address that later. And here, here, here—have uh, you ever seen a baby who's hungry? Now they may be able to say a couple of words. Usually, the first one is "mama." Right behind it's "dad, dad." In my world, right now it's "pop, pop." That's awesome. But that baby cannot say "milk." You know what the baby does when the baby gets hungry? Ah! Ah! Somebody at first service said, Do it again. I was like, No, I'm not. You weren't filming. They say, when they are desiring to be nourished, there is a cry that rises on the inside. And I think we need some people who would just get in front of God's word every day. Ah! Ah! I'm hungry. Now, you might be asking God for a spiritual filet mignon. Let him interpret your cry. He'll know exactly what you need, but but this is the pure milk of the word, and you're not going to mature unless you first get some milk. I know some of you are like, when are you going to teach on the high priestly order of Melchizedek? Not until you get some milk. (laughs) Not until you're that person that starts to grow and mature because you've been Drinking the pure milk of God's word. Now, does does that mean that we stop with milk? No. Most of the time, spiritual maturity uh, is connected to this one thought. Listen, it's don't quit. So I'm taking in the word, and now opposition comes. What's an opposition to a baby walking? Gravity. It's always happening. What is the opposition of a, of, a, of a person who is beginning to mature in Christ? I'm telling you, is the consistent opposition of the light that is in you that is Christ. But there is one thing that will mature you. Consistency. Don't quit. This is what the word says. Uh, James 1 2 through 4 says consider it pure joy my brothers whenever you face trials of many kinds because knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and perseverance finishes its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything he is saying listen faith driven consistency is the breeding ground of maturity. Faith-driven consistency. It's not like, oh, I tried that Jesus stuff and I I failed. It's not for me. No, no, no. Get up. Keep walking. Keep praying. Keep reading. Keep loving. Keep reaching. Keep preaching. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give in. Persevere. And you're going to start to mature. You're going to start to be stronger than you were. A month ago, six months ago, a year ago. Not everybody does this, though. Some people try for a while and they just fade away. This isn't good. When we step away from the things that really nourish us and give us life. Hebrews 5, 11 through 14 says, We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is is for the mature, who by, listen to this, constant Use, who by constant use, who by constant use, not by Sunday use or Wednesday use, but it is constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. I mean, when children get around the stove, we're always saying, don't touch. But when you get a little older and you see the scars, you know, hey, maybe I shouldn't touch that. What are you doing? You're maturing. And I want to tell you this. Here at Cal- Calvary, we do not want to create dependence. God did not say, go into all the world and create dependence. Dependence. So that when you are faced with the decision... And have the pastor's cell phone number. You can call him and ask him what you should do. Now, I believe in counsel. There's wisdom in the counsel of many. I love that. If you face something where you don't know what to do, by all means, avail yourself to everything that is offered through the church. But I'm here to tell you, we are not meant to be the voice of God in your life. You are meant by reason of use, by walking with God. You're meant to be a person. who follows God, hears God, and can actually grow up in Him and be a disciple. We're not making dependents. We're making disciples. Because dependents don't make disciples. Disciples make disciples. This is why we are so focused on Christ. It's so we mature. In Colossians 1, it says, He is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all energy Christ so powerfully works in me. He says, listen, I'm going to proclaim, admonish, and teach everyone in wisdom so that we may present People mature. We will always be pointing you to Christ. We'll always be pointing you to him so that you can have a walk with him and mature in your relationship with him. So when we're on our way, we're going to increase in wisdom. We're going to increase in maturity. But this last one, we've got to increase in favor. We've got to increase in favor. It says... And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Okay, if you're going to ask me this question, which I think some of you may if you read the Bible like me, how in the world does Jesus increase in favor with God? I'm going to give you a good answer. I have no idea. I have no idea. He never sinned. I have, I have a thought which I'm going to give because it's connected to us. But Jesus increased in favor. That means he actually had a measure of favor and throughout these 18 years actually increased in it. This word favor, it's only translated favor a a, a few times. Many times this word is translated in a word that it should still move you, grace. Same word, Greek word charis. It, 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 and so he, he, he says, and Jesus increased in grace. What? Favor. But suddenly I remember, wait a minute. There is something in the word about increasing in grace. This is what it says. And I believe that this is the key to increasing in favor with God and man. James 4, 6. But he, speaking of God, gives more grace to who? The humble. This is why the scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. How do you increase in grace? How do you increase in favor? It is through this one word, humility humility now this same quote by the way this is an old testament quote it's quoted again in first peter chapter 5 but notice the context of this, because Jesus not only increased in favor with God, but he increased in favor with man. So notice the increase of the favor of man in this passage. It says, in the same way, you younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all of you, clothe yourself with humility toward one another. What's the context? One another. It's relationship with man, because here's the same verse, God opposes the proud, but shows fear. Favor to the humble. You want to increase in favor with man? It's not by bullying them, it's by humbling yourself. It's humility. Verse 6 then says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up. So we see humility before man leading to God's favor and humbling yourself under the hand of God leading to God's favor. Increase in favor. Now, you say, how important is it to have the favor of man on your life? Having walked in humility and submission to God and submission to parents and submission to leaders, how important is it? I think it's real important so that when Jesus showed up, there were tax collectors, wealthy people of their day. They're climbing trees just to get a glance at him. I think that's favor. Most people are not climbing trees to come to our services. We've got to have AC, nice chairs, uh, Dunkin' Donuts in the lobby. We're doing everything we can to make it comfortable. Jesus had so much favor, people would climb a tree just with the opportunity of catching a a glance. And I want to tell you, God will use that favor to bring his kingdom into other people's lives, which is exactly what he did in that story of Zacchaeus. But how did he do it? Humility. Humility. I want to make sure I'm really clear here. Church, look at me. Everyone has the same amount of God's love aimed at them. God will not love you more tomorrow than he does already today. Regardless of performance, he loves you. But make no mistake, according to the scripture, not everybody is walking in the same favor. Not everybody is walking in the same favor. Why? Because there are measures of pride which even believers will, uh, will entertain and it will keep them from greater levels. Of God's favor because if God were to bestow it on them in that pride, prideful state, it would crush them. I want you to know, when you properly use God's favor and humility, it leads to more favor. It leads to more favor. That's a principle in the kingdom. If you're faithful with little, God will make you ruler over much. And most of the people who are actually ruling over much don't even want to rule over much. You know why? Because they're humble. But because because they're humble, more grace comes, more faithfulness, more more favor comes. Do you see this? If you're going to be that person that is on the way, that's used by God, that God can increase, it's got to be baptized in humility. So, do you just wake up, throw off the blanket in the morning and say, all right, today's the day. I'm going to be humble. No. There is a tool for humility. Most of us, we will shout, we will, we will, I mean, we'll run around the church talking about destiny. Destiny. But when you talk about the fuel necessary to get into your destiny, not so many shouts, not so many amens. Because humility is necessary, but there's really one main activity connecting to increasing in humility increasing in favor. It's fasting. psalm david says in, in psalm 35 13 he says yet they were ill and i put on sackcloth, and i humbled myself with fasting you see all of these go together if you really begin that become that person who has the fear of the lord in your life and you become that person who says man really want to know you and 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 now i really want to walk with you and overcome and i want to begin to mature i want to be able to discern both both good and evil and be able to rightly divide those things and i want it to be bathed in humility if you go back to the fear of the lord when fasting is mentioned you may groan but then there's inwardly something that says but if it means more of God's grace coming into my life, more favor, listen, I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna say it to you this way. If fasting's what it's, what it takes to break the grip of meth off of this community, then fasting it will be. Jesus said there are some kinds that only come out by prayer and fasting. And what if your breakthrough personally has been connected to your reluctance to push back the plate? I know. You say, I can't fast. It hurts right here. It hurts us all right here. Nobody delights in that painful place, but what we delight in is the grace that comes when we humble ourselves and say, God, I don't have the strength to bring to pass what you long to bring to pass, so I am going to lean in, I'm going to fast, and I'm going to pray. Listen, you are on your way, and for some of you, this sounds like a radical thing. What in the world is he even talking about? I've never even heard about fasting. We want to help you in january beginning january 5th as a community the lord spoke to me and years did the last two years we did something completely different this year we're doing a 21 day fast and most people not everyone but most people do a daniel fast and we have all of all, all of those guidelines at calvary.online you can find them there on our website and we can really help you to navigate this Because here's what I want you to know as a church. We are on our way into destiny. We are seeing miracles. We're seeing salvations. But listen, we have not arrived. And God is sending countless people to Citrus County. And they don't know why. They think they're moving here to to come to a place where they're they're escaping an overreaching government. I'm here to tell you, they are actually coming to a place where there is an increased government. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. and 7 it says and of the increase of his government there shall be no end and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace that's who people are coming to meet but listen we are on our way but we need to increase in wisdom and maturity and humility favor in order to do what God has called us to do I want you to join us on this journey. Now, if you're here today and you're not a believer, I'm here to tell you some really good news. None of this is about earning God's favor. All of this is because of his grace. It's because of his divine work. And I want you to know that what Jesus supplies in the cross is free. And you, if you want eternal life and you want this relationship with God, all you need to do is receive it by faith. The truth is, all of us need to humble ourselves. The first act of humility is repentance, saying, God, I was wrong. I lived my whole life wrong about you and wrong about life. It's repenting. All of us have to do it. (laughs) And we all come through that gate called repentance. And, and who meets us there? Jesus, full of grace and full of truth. He'll meet you today if you do the same thing.